Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 13th ever show of All Around Sports, live from the city of champions, Boston, Massachusetts. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And as always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's Happenings in the sports world, as well as the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. Well, big doings this weekend in Boston coming up as the city becomes the hub of Major League Lacrosse, which is staging its all-star game at Harvard Stadium tomorrow evening. I will be on the scene all weekend as I cover all the festivities, and they are many. And in today's second segment, in just a few minutes... We will listen to an interview I conducted just the other day with Major League Lacrosse Commissioner David Gross, who will discuss all the exciting events coming up for the weekend. And in addition to the MLL All-Star Game this weekend in Boston, the region will also host the world's most famous sports team, the Manchester United soccer team, who will be in Foxborough this Wednesday to play the New England Revolution of the, major, of the Major League Soccer League. And I will also be covering this event for All Around Sports. So the arrival of Man U, the Red Devils as they are known worldwide, is uh, the, the kickoff for what's called the World Football Challenge. And it's really quite a lineup, and it's happening throughout the summer in... Uh, across the United States. Some of the teams coming over this summer will include uh, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Guadalajara from Mexico, Club de Portugal, Juventus from Italy, a legendary team, and Barcelona, the reigning European Cup champion. So uh, it's going to be an exciting summer as America's taste for soccer increases and uh again these these teams will be all across the country 
playing various MLS teams, playing each other. So it's going to be an exciting uh, summer of hockey or of soccer, and everybody's all excited for that. And uh, speaking of soccer, the Women's World Cup is underway in Germany and headed for the quarterfinal round this weekend. And uh, the United States women's team was shocked by Sweden this week. Uh, it was the earliest loss ever for U.S. women's team in World Cup soccer. And uh, it sets up on Sunday at 11.30 in the morning, Eastern Time, a gigantic match with, uh, with Brazil. And need I say more, Brazil is legendary in men's soccer, so I think it's safe to assume that their women's soccer team, which I know won its group, is also uh, equally talented, and I'm sure the passion is uh, just as big out there. But anyway, back to the Man U game. Uh, I personally am very much looking forward to it. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Dublin, Ireland, and Manchester United was playing Barcelona, as a matter of fact, in a European Cup game, a semifinal over at uh, Man U's legendary Old Trafford Stadium, and I was in what's called the Shelbourne Hotel, which is uh, the equivalent of the Waldorf in New York. It's the hotel, and was in the lobby, lots of TVs, and... Uh, very much a sports bar atmosphere. It was packed, and Man, Man U scored a goal in the first couple of minutes of the game, and the place absolutely ex exploded. One of the great sports bar experiences, and then evenings of my sports bar viewing life, and it was just absolutely spectacular. We sat at a table with lots of Irish people, of course, who took it upon themselves to explain the global reach of Manchester United and why they were so important in Ireland. And that, of course, is because maybe the most second most famous name next to Pele, uh, but the second most famous name in the history of soccer uh, would be George Best, who came from Ireland and then played for Manchester United uh, for, for many, many years. And uh, the game this coming Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at Gillette Stadium here in Foxborough, 20 minutes from where I live, is uh, already sold approximately 60,000 tickets. So uh, it's going to be big, very big. And personally, I am very, very excited to see the Manchester United fans. Uh, I think we all have an awareness of the passion of soccer fans in general, English soccer fans in particular, and their history, both positive and negative, and surrounding Gillette Stadium is what's called Patriot's Place, which is just a blend of retail and restaurant establishments immediately surrounding Gillette Stadium. And it's pretty new, less than, say, two years old, and... It's a great place, and I just cannot wait on Wednesday afternoon to get over there in advance of uh, me covering the game in, from the press box, but to get over there and, and see what the Man U fan passion is all about as uh, what I'm hearing will be thousands 
of Manchester United fans invading uh, Patriot Place and, and then Gillette Stadium that evening. So I think it's just going to be a terrific opportunity to uh, see what international soccer is all about. As you listeners know, I went to the Spain-USA soccer t- game a couple weeks ago, also at Gillette Stadium. It was spectacular. And uh, I think I'm going to get more of the same this coming Wednesday night. So now on to the highlights of the week, uh, which for me was the return of Derek Jeter to the Yankees lineup, uh, as he will unbelievably, to me, become the first Yankee ever to reach the 3,000 hits. Fittingly, it will likely occur at Yankee Stadium this weekend, perhaps tonight. And uh, I'm hearing that if a fan is lucky enough to catch his 3,000th hit, uh, which would either be, I assume, a home run or a ground rule double, uh, that this ball will likely fetch between $250,000, as in a quarter million dollars, and $400,000 uh, for its memorabilia value. So that should be interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, as far as Derek Jeter's concerned, I have a, you know, nice personal story about him, which is where I've uh, had the good fortune over the years to purchase uh, great seats near the visitors on deck circle at Red Sox games at Fenway Park. I go to a couple a year in these seats. And Derek Jeter, for years and years, ever since he started playing, I, since, since I started sitting in these seats, before every at-bat, no matter what the situation, he'll come right over to the railing. I'm in the eighth row. And he'll just interact with the fans. He'll talk with them, especially if it's at the top of an inning where he has an extra minute or two, so to speak. The game isn't going on. And I have always just been a huge, huge fan of Derek Jeter. Forget the Yankees-Red Sox thing. Uh, I've watched him up close and personal for many years, just in this one specific situation of being in the on-deck circle at Fenway. And he has always just been absolutely... Terrific to the fans, easygoing, affable, and just uh, truly, you know, a joy to watch uh, both on the field as well as uh, as he interacts with fans. So I think it's great that he will likely uh, get his 3,000th hit probably in the next 24 hours in Yankee Stadium. And uh, again, shocking to me that no Yankee until now has ever gotten 3,000 hits, which is one of the handful of hallowed baseball records. And uh, this week's low light uh, are, unfortunately, the unexpected deaths just in really the past 48 hours of three significant sports figures. Uh, first, John Mackey, the famous tight end from the uh, Baltimore Colts, number 88. Fabulous. Uh, he basically invented the tight end position as we know it today. Uh, he was among the first, if not the first, to basically be able to catch the ball and uh, transition tight end from more of a blocking position into a catching position. And as we all remember, he used to simply just bowl over guys uh, like nobody had before and not too many have since. And truly an icon of the sport and just a weapon extraordinaire for the Colts and Johnny Unitas and, and those great, great teams down in Baltimore. And unfortunately, it was very ironic that 
he has been afflicted the past few years with dementia and uh, he as has been detailed on many shows such as HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. Very, very sad to see the debilitating nature of this illness and just uh, just really hard to believe uh, and the irony involved with us being in the middle of this NBA lockout, NFL lockout, excuse me, too many lockouts to handle. And uh, where the care of of retired players is one of the key subjects on the table. So we'll see how that's resolved. But again, great irony in the timing of the death of John Mackey. Another one was Dick Williams, former Red Sox manager, uh, dying again uh, unexpectedly or surprisingly, at least to me, uh, in Nevada yesterday. And there's no other way to put it. Dick Williams is personally responsible for putting the Boston Red Sox, as we know them today, back on the map. Uh, the Red Sox in 1967 uh, basically were irrelevant. They had 8,000, repeat, 8,000 at opening day in 1967. Six months later, they were their famous Impossible Dream Team. Yaz had won the Triple Crown, and they lost in Game 7 to the St. Louis Cardinals and Bob Gibson, but Boston baseball has never been the same since, and that is what started this run that is now uh, upwards of 30 years of just uh, intense, intense Red Sox interest and, of course, Red Sox nation. So, very sad to see Dick Williams pass on, and when he arrived and took the job, he said something that was simplistic at the time, but meant a lot, which was simply will win more than we lose when he took the job for the Red Sox. That was saying something in Boston in 1967, as hard as it is to believe today. Lastly, Armin Gilliam, former UNLV running rebel. Uh, Jerry Tarkanian called him the second greatest player ever to play at UNLV behind, uh, behind Larry Johnson. And <clears throat> I always knew Armin Gilliam was a... Uh, a Pittsburgh guy, uh, which I am. I'm a Pittsburgh guy, and that's where I grew up, near there. And uh, he was a great player, and again, he died way, way, way too young, 47 years old. He uh, died at a gym playing basketball uh, the other night down near Pittsburgh. And uh, so again, really, really sad to see, but amazingly, when I read his obituary this morning, I did not know this, that he was the coach of the Penn State Altoona campus uh, basketball team, and I say campus because I grew up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and Penn State is known for its satellite campuses throughout the state, and uh, so unfortunately... Uh, you know, Armin has passed on, but it was, for me, very interesting to read the Altoona Connection. And lastly, the bizarre sports story of the week is the death last night of the Texas Ranger fan who fell out of the stands while trying to get a ball tossed by Josh Hamilton. Very, very sad, and, uh, and you know, it's something I'm sure that all Major League Baseball teams will be taking a look at. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And up next, an interview I conducted the other day with David Gross, 
Commissioner of Major League Lacrosse, who will discuss this weekend's MLL All-Star Game weekend that I will be covering at Harvard Stadium in Boston. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And it's that time of the show when we have guests typically join us. But instead, I will play an interview that I conducted the other day with David Gross, Commissioner of Major League Lacrosse, who will discuss this weekend's Major League Lacrosse All-Star Game that I will be covering at Harvard Stadium. So without further ado, here's David. John, thanks for, so much for having me today. Our pleasure. And uh, I'm sure you're having a very busy week because the Major League Lacrosse All-Star Game is this weekend right here in our backyard at Harvard Stadium. And I know you have a multitude of activities planned, so why don't you uh, tell us about a little bit about how the weekend is shaping up. Absolutely. You know, All-Star Weekend really has become a marquee event for Major League Lacrosse. It's a, it's a celebration uh, of the sport and the league. Uh, a lot of people say it's an excuse to have a very nice party uh, for, for a weekend, but we think it's a little more than that. But the rundown of the weekend uh, basically flows like this, John. We've got uh, a tournament that's being hosted by uh, Red Bull, uh, Friday uh, afternoon and Saturday afternoon uh, using the old um, original rules of the sport, meaning no helmets, no gloves, no pads. It's just a, a stick. Uh, they let them actually wear shoes, which in the past they didn't uh, for the tournament. That's going to be uh, for college-age kids and above uh, participating, and I can't wait to see uh, how, how, the, how that game is going to look. In addition, you have the Warrior 40 uh, going on Friday and then the, the finals of that going on Saturday morning, which are the top high school players uh, in the country uh, coming in uh, to compete. And you know, all these guys have already been accepted uh, to some of the best colleges uh, in the country. So it's your last chance to see them uh, before they go off to college uh, and play. Uh, Friday night at Harvard, we'll be doing a, a free youth clinic from 6 to 7 p.m. And then at 7 to 9, we're actually doing some a unique twist on an all-star game. We let two fans pick the all-star teams this year. Uh, 
So we'll be lining up the 40 All-Stars, and these fans will pick these guys playground style and put their teams together. And then finally, uh, Saturday night is the main event at 7 p.m. Uh, at Harvard and live on ESPN2 will be the All-Star Game. And the All-Star Game features the Bud Light Skills Competition at halftime uh, where the players compete uh, for, for, for money in three different disciplines. And that's always a huge uh, crowd pleaser. And uh, just knowing what some of the guys are doing this year for the freestyle competition at the end, uh, you don't want to miss it because it's something you've never seen before. Well, I'll certainly be there for all of the festivities. As uh, you know, I'm planning to cover both Friday and Saturday evening for Voice America and very much looking forward to it. And uh, it sounds like a lacrosse fan's dream. I mean, we're, you know, you speak of the high school all-star game and we are in the one of the hotbeds of lacrosse nationwide right here in the Boston area. And in fact, the town that you and I both live in, Medfield, is a lacrosse power. So I, I would think you're expecting a pretty big turnout in this neck of the woods. Well, we'll have a very strong crowd uh, for the game, and it's a passionate crowd. As I said, the event's really become a, a marquee uh, evening for, for the league. Uh, and what I often hear from people who don't get to make the game but watch it on TV is how much fun it looked and how they wish they, they had been there. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something that we, we really enjoy. And, and anyone who comes out uh, will have a great time. I mean, tickets for, for the game are $20. Uh, it's, it's a tremendous value. Uh, for what you what you can receive, and and after the game, one of the neat things about our league, John, every player sticks around, win or lose, and signs autographs for the fans. You know these guys, uh, compared to other sports, they're not making those kind of dollars that the an NBA or NFL players making, but they really can connect with the fan, and they go above and beyond, and and they treat the the business. You know, how, from an idealistic way, how you want to be treated as a fan. Uh, you're not just somebody who, who paid for a ticket. You're somebody that, that player really cares about, and they really show it after the games when they get together with the fans and really engage them. Well, and I can absolutely relate to that because I covered the uh, U.S. lacrosse event last October up here at Harvard Stadium and throughout the Harvard campus, and it was just... A wonderful event, and I took particular note of exactly what you're saying, which was all the players taking time after the games to sign autographs, and Harvard Stadium is a fantastic venue for the All-Star Game. It, it really is. It, you know, if you haven't been to Harvard before, you're sitting almost on top of the field, the way, the way it was built. You know, there's no other venue in the country where you're that close to the action. Uh, the fans uh, absolutely love. They can hear everything on the field. If you've got the little children, you might want to sit a little higher up. And if you don't want to hear everything, these guys might say. Uh, but, you know, it's a very intimate setting for such a big stadium. Yes, and David, you know, I, I found it quite noteworthy that you know, you're coming into All-Star Weekend on a serious roll, and by that I mean uh, I noticed that you had the largest pro lacrosse crowd, 27,000 plus, at Invesco Field just this past weekend. Uh, so the largest crowd ever for an MLL game. And uh, so that has to be very exciting for you. And what do you attribute the record crowd to? Well, 
you have to give all the credit to the Denver Outlaws organization. Uh, the ticket salespeople out there have just done a tremendous job, you know, drumming up support, being very creative. They put on a tremendous show, um, you know, at the game. They're incredibly active uh, in the community. Uh, having fireworks after the game doesn't hurt. You know, but that event they have each 4th of July just keeps growing and growing. And, you know, across the league, you know, our attendance is up significantly this year when a lot of sports are finding, you know, a slight downturn, you know, due to the economy. So we're very pleased to see the growth. You know, more and more lacrosse is becoming mainstream. And we're not going to be there overnight. And it's great that we had such a huge crowd, you know, in Denver. But we need that to become our norm and not just, you know, a blip for us. And, you know, our teams are constantly working, uh, doing so much out in the communities. Uh, we're getting there. And, you know, sponsors, uh, which are very important to, to a league like ours, they're noticing this. You know, as I mentioned, in a down economy, we were able to pick up Sports Authority this year, uh, Avion Tequila, Powerade as new sponsors, while retaining all of our existing sponsors. And, you know, John, I'm sure you know, in this environment, that's not an easy feat. And, you know, part of it has to do with how everyone's seeing not just the growth of the game, but the growth of Major League Lacrosse. Yes, and uh, and I totally agree. The, uh, you know, sponsorship is a gigantic uh, foundation from which to build any sports league. And, you know, in another nice happenstance this week, uh, I noticed that there was a full double-page photo in Sports Illustrated in the first 10 or 12 pages of this past week's issue uh, from a lacrosse game with uh, with the Boston Cannons, our own, our local team, the Boston Cannons, featured. And uh, so that had to, uh, you know, all these little things are important as you grow your sport. So that, I certainly uh, took note of that photo. And, and so many people have seen that photo and commented. And what an amazing photo. I still don't know how Greg Downing got up that high in the right. air. And if you, if you haven't gotten the issue, I'd say run to your newsstand uh, before the next issue comes out. Luckily, it was a, a double issue, so there won't be one for another week. Uh, but go get that issue, and you can see him just soaring through the air. Uh, he, he actually doesn't score, which is which is too bad. Or if you're the goalie, uh, Brian Phipps, it, it's a good thing. But you're absolutely right. You know, as a league like ours, you know, where you have to fight to get your coverage, anything like that really becomes big for us. And we have to celebrate these little victories. You know, again, nothing's the NFL. Uh, that that's in a league of its own, you know. But we have aspirations uh, of growing. We have an amazing sport, you know. Those that have come out to a game walk away a fan. It's impossible not to. The sport of lacrosse has everything that the American sports fan looks for. It's fast paced. There's plenty of scoring, and it's hard hitting, you know. And it doesn't take that much of an understanding of the game to be able to grasp the concept. Uh, again, you know. In the 11 years now that we've existed, I've had one person who's been to a game complained. After he watched it, he said to me, there was just too much action. And to be honest, John, if that's someone's complaint, we'll take that as the biggest compliment we can get. I agree. I agree. And, and lastly, David, uh, you also have another thing that is important for a growing league, and that is... Uh, Someone who is rapidly becoming a household name, uh, and that would be, of course, Paul Rabel, who in the record crowd game out in Denver scored three goals, including a two-pointer, and uh, 
And again, last October when I was at the U.S. lacrosse event uh, at Harvard Stadium, Paul showed up and he was like a rock star. I was so impressed by the, the greeting and uh, just basically the general attention he received. And uh, so it's great to have someone like Paul uh, in your league as well. He's really our first player that's transcending the sport, you know, and a lot of that has to do with a lot of the sponsorship and endorsement deals he's been able to get that are beyond the endemics uh, to lacrosse, and he's been incredibly wise about how he's gone about, you know, crafting his image uh, and interacting with the fans. It, it's, it's amazing. He's, he's a young guy, but he absolutely gets it. And I think other pro athletes, you know, should study what he's done and how he's handled it. You know, you never find him saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. He, he, he loves the game. He loves the league. He loves the fans. This is all very important to him, uh, and he, he's incredibly serious about this. Uh, and everything he's getting, he absolutely deserves. Uh, I know, you know, anytime someone becomes big, there are people that, you know, want to see them knock off their pedestal a little bit. But, you know, if anyone's had the chance to meet Paul Rabel, they're going to walk away impressed with the guy. And, you know, and while it's great that he's transcended the sport, he, he represents what almost every guy in our league's about. These guys are, are just such good people. And I know you hear this about athletes and people try to build this mystique. Uh, but I had a good buddy who used to work for the Yankees uh, in PR for them. And I used to ask about this player and that player. Uh, and he said to me, you know what, admire them from afar. Admire what they do. Don't get to know them. Because if you do, you're going to be so incredibly disappointed. And I would truly say with our sport, the complete opposite. Get to know these guys. Because if you understand what they're all about and the sacrifices they do just to play pro lacrosse while holding down a full-time job elsewhere, it's nothing short of amazing. And when you don't even have to ask them to do something. And I won't name the family because I'm sure they don't want to be named. But I got an email recently. You know, we had the tornadoes here in Massachusetts. And this one family basically had their house lifted up and destroyed. Uh, and when people found out about this, he was a lacrosse player. And he was scheduled to go to camps. You know, all these lacrosse guys just started donating equipment for the kid and clothes. And lacrosse companies got involved. Uh, and no one sought headlines for this. They just did it because it's the right thing to do. And that's what so many people in the sport are about. Well, that's terrific. Uh, again, that has certainly been my experience when I've covered lacrosse in the past, and I've covered many, many sports over the years, and uh, everything you're saying is absolutely true. And I'm sure it's exciting for all of you to know that your profile will be raised, I'm sure, dramatically this weekend with the All-Star Game, again, here in Boston, which will be terrific. And... Uh, I just want to thank you again, David, for taking the time to come on the show. It's, I'm sure it's just an incredibly busy week for you, but uh, I'm sure our listeners are fascinated with everything you had to say, and, uh, and I'll look forward to seeing you this weekend on the campus of Harvard. Great, John. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. All right, David. Thank you again for your time. Right, Bye-bye. Well, Voice America, this is John Inglesby, your host back live, and that was David Gross, Commissioner of Major League Lacrosse, who told you all you need to know about this weekend's upcoming All-Star Game, which will be on ESPN2 tomorrow night, Saturday, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And once again, it's time to take our break, 
And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And join us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Super Bowl champ Lionel Dalton is taking to the internet airwaves with his own brand of sports talk. You'll go inside the mind of the players and find out if blacklisting really happens, what their thoughts are on training camps, where the former NFL players are now, and why being drafted by the wrong NFL team can kill a promising player's career. Lionel will also cover what's up with the Baltimore Ravens. Tune in to Sports Talk with Lionel Dalton live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Segment 3 of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we have our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department call-in. And welcome, Barry. How are you today? Terrific, John. How are you? It's a pleasure as always. Well, we appreciate your calling in as always. And uh, we have a bit of breaking news today. I uh, don't know how significant it is, but you and I can kind of talk about it, which is that the now famous uh, Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, I believe, from Minnesota, just uh, within the past couple hours, issued a ruling that basically, uh, you know, it keeps the lockout in place for the NFL. However, it seems to allow. The possibility, if we get to September time frame without an agreement of the players somehow being able to come back and sue the NFL owners for treble damages, which is something that's, you know, and this has to do with, of course, the, the various lawsuits, but we're talking a figure if they get one everything for treble damages of $300 billion, with a B, billion dollars. With a B, huh? Wow. Billion with a B, which is such a stunning figure, even for a league that makes nine billion a year, that it's certainly an attention getter. And I and I'm not setting off alarm bells and saying, you know, this is about this ruling somehow leads to three billion for the players. I'm just saying the possibility apparently exists as a result of this ruling that was issued today. And bottom line, uh, we're droning on. I guess, if anything, the, the, this is the judge who apparently, and this is the ultimate ruling of this judge who said a while back, you know, if, if I issue a ruling, neither side's going to like it. And I got the feeling this is that ruling. And uh, so I think it just applies much more pressure on both sides who are meeting right down the block from where you work 
Right. And uh, so, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that you know, you know, it's it, 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 it sounds, you know, kind of like you know the the, the voice coming down from, from the mountaintop, you know, the, the you know the Red Sea parting, all that stuff. But I, I think when you get right down to it, I don't think it really affects the actual negotiations as, as to what's going on right now. I mean, the sides uh, talked for twelve hours yesterday. Um, they're getting closer on a lot of issues. Uh, they're you know still apart on some other ones. But I, I think the bottom line here is that it's not going to affect the negotiation process. I mean, I think both sides in, in the dispute have said that you know no matter what comes down from from the courts, that they're just going to continue to talk. And 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 they they pretty much said from day one. And and you know I, I think it's the goal of of both Roger Goodell and Demar Smith and everyone involved settle this in the in the at the beginning table and try to keep the courts out of it. You know, let's just get together, talk, work this out. Uh, by all accounts, that is exactly what's happening. Uh, and by all accounts, they are getting closer. Um, you know, they've been, uh, we've gotten a hold of, not, not we, but it's, it's pretty much out there that um, there have been memos put out uh, for on both sides, you know, kind of outlining, you know, how business is going to occur when, uh, when the lockout is over and when there is an agreement. Um, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of teams making plans to go ahead with training camp as scheduled, uh, just as if there were no lockout. I mean, obviously, the uh, you know the free agent process is going is going to be a frenzy this year. You know, more so than usual. It's going to be very intense, very crazy. But I think everyone is preparing for business as usual in the NFL this year. I, I real, I honestly, you know, as we 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 we've been talking about this for the past several weeks. But, you know, as time goes on, it becomes more and more apparent, I think, to everyone that, that there will be a season, there will be exhibition games, training camps will open on time. You know, obviously the only thing that will, that will be affected uh, will be the, the free agent signing period, which, we, which would have been, you know, well underway by now. And we would have seen probably a lot of uh, name guys switch teams or, or stay or sign somewhere. But uh, I think the bottom line to all of this is that, you know what, there is this ruling but the league is still uh, operating under the auspices of okay, okay. We know this has come down. We know we hear you, but we're going to continue to 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 work on this on our own. Get this done and move ahead and have our NFL season and start on time. And you know what? Once training camp opens on time, everyone's going to forget about everything that happened, and it's going to be business as usual. And I, and I firmly believe that. Oh, you're absolutely right, Barry. And, uh, you know, it seems like this is the make-or-break week, clearly, for the uh, Hall of Fame game in Canton and maybe for the rest of the preseason as well. And I think it's going to be a long, long weekend in New York City for all of the participants. And uh, I got the feeling there's a lot of cancellations uh, being made for the Hamptons this weekend because there'll be a few empty, uh, empty places out there for... Everybody who's locked down in New York for the lockout. And uh, speaking of New York City, another big event happening down there, which is, of course, Derek Jeter's chase for 3,000 hits. Uh, could happen as soon as tonight. Uh, what's the buzz in Manhattan for this? Well, it, 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 it was uh, kind of a circus atmosphere. At, at, you know, if, if you can call anything other than what goes on at Yankee Stadium on a normal basis of the circus atmosphere. I mean, there were celebrities on hand. There were Jeter's family members are there. 
uh, Yankee greats are there. I mean, the, the, everybody was ready. And, uh, you know, Jeter's first at, at bat, he laced the double. And, you know, there was some thought that, gee, it could have, could happen last night. And then, and, you know, there were, there were thoughts that maybe it could have. But uh, he, he is two hits away. You know, obviously, uh, the media, uh, the baseball world is now obviously on full alert in New York. Uh, for when Derek Jeter will break the record, and uh, yeah, it could have obviously happen tonight, uh, tonight, tomorrow, this weekend. You know, certainly, uh, I think you know by the time this weekend is over, uh, J- uh, Jeter will have uh, joined the uh, 3,000 hit club, and you know, it's just just an amazing, uh, you know, it's an amazing accomplishment for anybody, really. But you know, when you consider that only 28 players have done it in the history of baseball. No Yankee has ever done it, which you know, which a lot of people you know would think is mind-boggling. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, obviously that's the case. Uh, Jeter will also become the first shortstop to do it exclusively. At, you know, to do it as exclusively exclusively as a shortstop is what I meant to say. So you know, that that's saying a lot. It's it's just it's just incredible, and you know, and to have it in the spotlight in New York um, with 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 you know the whole nation watching, and you know, obviously. A lot different world now than it was you know, when other players have done it, and uh, he'd also become, I believe, the fourth, third or fourth youngest to do it, uh, to hit the three thousand mark. So yeah, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be quite uh, quite an atmosphere when that happens for sure. Well, it's just going to be huge. It's set up beautifully, which just seems to be the way Derek Jeter's career has gone. It's been charmed, to put it mildly. Yep. Uh, it's on a weekend. At home in Yankee Stadium, and the only thing that could be better simply would be if it was against the Red Sox, which would just right. be, uh, you know, but as good as it gets. Element into it, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that the the, the game against Tampa, which the Yankees actually lost last night, but you know, nobody's even talking about that. It's it's all about it's all about Derek Jeter, and and it, 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 we're 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 at the point now where the games are really secondary, which is which is kind of funny because you know they are playing a division rival rival in Tampa Bay. And the games are significant, but you know it kind of doesn't matter. It's all it's it, it, it's all about Derek and all about number three thousand. So that's that's kind of an interesting twist. I just kind of wonder if it would still be the same way if they were playing the Red Sox. I, I kind of think that at least in maybe not in Boston, but at least in New York, it would be because uh, you know the whole the whole chase for three thousand hits has kind of taken on a life of its own and an energy of its own, and that's what it's all about in New York right now. That's really. That's the focus of everything, and until he gets number three thousand, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, and the again, you know, without uh, you know focusing too much on what it would have been like with the Red Sox, but they would have paid him his homage, the homage due to him, and as their greatest rivals, it would have been just terrific because. Uh, you know, the Red Sox-Yankees is a lot of things, and the, or, the organization separately are a lot of things, but, uh, you know, the Red Sox would have paid him tribute right there on the field. They're good at that type of thing. You know, it reminds me a little bit of what it would have been like when uh, I was in Fenway Park on opening day 2005 when <clears throat> the Yankees came back uh, immediately, you know, which is right after the Red Sox had come back from the famous 3-0 deficit, and... Mariano Rivera <clears throat> was greeted, shall we say, warmly in Fenway Park that day, and uh, ha- him having given up some of the key runs as the Red Sox made the greatest comeback in sports history. And uh, and basically, but it was great. Rivera was laughing. I'll never forget it. So 
Uh, I'm sure it would have been a similar thing, but that's not to be. But again, everything else is certainly, certainly in place. And I can't think of anybody more deserving than Derek Jeter. And again, uh, we're bumping up against our break, but I'm going to reiterate what I said at the top of the show, which is simply, I can't believe that Derek Jeter is the first Yankee ever to have 3,000 hits. It seems like every significant baseball record has a Yankee at or near the top. It is stunning when you think about it. It really is. You know, when stunning. You, you know, when, you, when you think about all the great players that you know, many of the great players in baseball history have played for the Yankees, and it's just—it is kind of stunning when you when you sit back and think about it. That that makes it an even bigger achievement. It's just it's just incredible, and it's just something that you know it, it's the likes of which you, know, you, you you kind of look at and say, you know what, you can really kind of sit back and admire this. And say, wow, this is really something. And you'll you'll you know a lot of people are going to remember where that where they are when 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 Jeter gets his three thousandth hit, and it's just you know. Any any adjective you want to put on it, remarkable, incredible, is mind-boggling, whatever you want to say, it's all of that, and it's it really is. And you know, I, despite the uh, obvious uh, you know feelings of the fan bases uh, of uh, around Major League Baseball, certainly between Boston and New York, um, you know, I, I I think everybody just has that respect for what Cheater has done. He's always played the right way. He's always given it his all. He's been a straight straight arrow off the field. I mean. Derek Jeter is everything you want uh, out of a you know an, an idol, out of a a, a a a figure to look at, you know, someone to aspire to. Um, you know, it's, it's just all of that, and you, know, you really couldn't think of of a better player or a better person to feel happy for. Uh, you know, not only in New York, but I think all across the country too. I think everyone agrees right. on. Well, it's going to be great to watch, and uh, and once again, it's time to take our break and. Coming back on the other side will be uh, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department, and uh, we'll talk to you in a few. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard-hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice. Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America. 
Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And I'm still here with Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, we just wrapped up with uh, Derek Jeter and his quest for 3,000 hits, which will likely occur this weekend in Yankee Stadium. And as we were talking, it hit me that... uh, yeah, it's, it's also great timing in addition to everything else that uh, he's going, he'll probably get it this weekend. And then we go right into the All-Star break, which, uh, which is just perfect because it'll give, you know, the baseball nation time to kind of settle back, enjoy the All-Star game, but also reflect on, you know, what will, I'm sure, be a lot of references to the greatness of Derek Jeter. So what are your thoughts about the upcoming All-Star weekend? Well, yeah, I, I think you're right, and I, I think it will kind of be you know, kind of a, a, a you know, and given the fact that if, if 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 Jeter does do it this weekend, we're you know, of course, a very good chance that will happen. You know, it will open up the uh, open up the talk for that. But I think too, um, you know, I think the return of um, of Albert Pujols from his injury. I mean, it's pretty amazing that he was able to recover as quickly as he has. Uh, you know, for the type of injury he had. You know. Uh, as as someone who follows the Mets as closely as I do, you know, every time a Met gets a hangnail, he seems to be out for two months. So, you know, for 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 Pujol to to undergo, uh, you know, that that have that type of injury and come back as quickly as it has is, is mind boggling. And he's he's always been a quick healer. And uh, you know, I, so I think the All Star game would be great to you know by by his appearance too. And you know, well, there's always a conversation uh, during uh, during All Star weekend of you know this player being snubbed or that guy should have made it, and you know that that's just part of the game, you know. And you know, you've got four Yankees starting for the American League, and you've got a you know bunch of guys from a bunch of Red Sox will be there, and you know it's it, it, it's the time for you know baseball to kind of celebrate you know the great performances of the first half, and you know kind of set the table for for what should be a great second half of the season as well. So you know it, 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 it's a good break for good time for everyone just to kind of catch the breath and you know look back and recognize uh, all the great things happened in the first half and, and and just kind of get ready for the second half of the season too and none greater than jeter's 3000th hit and uh yeah it's gonna be great i'm also a big fan of the home run derby and uh you know it was really uh yeah, I think a home run derby these days. I think of Josh Hamilton, and unfortunately, as of today, when I think of Josh Hamilton, I think of the death of that Texas Ranger fan last night when a ball was hit to Hamilton. He did as almost all major league leaguers do ever since literally the strike in 94, which is, you know, he took the ball and tossed it up in the stands, and uh, the guy reached for it. I think he actually caught it, and then he tumbled to his death, uh, but he was conscious when he left the field. So everybody was shocked after the game when they found out that he had indeed passed away. So just, I'm sure Josh Hamilton is just, uh, I'm sure it's tearing him up, and it's awful. I'm sure it is. Yeah, that's a, that's a terrible thing to have happen. Absolutely, and you know, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, you just never think that something like that could happen. You know, when you're throwing yourself at a ball game, it just goes to show that just, uh, you know. Just uh, strange things happen sometimes. It's, it's very, very sad, very unfortunate. Yes, yes, it really is. Uh, I, I was actually in a stadium when I was in college, Three River Stadium in Pittsburgh, at a Pink Floyd concert. 
and somebody fell to their death during the concert. Wow. And it was like, you know, I was just in the stadium. It just is like a chilling type of thing. So uh, very, very sad. And, uh, you know, just one other thing in baseball is, uh, you know, that just simply cannot be ignored these days uh, is watching, of course, Roger Clemens parading around Washington, D.C. with he and his wife with big smiles on their faces as well as their lawyer, uh, Rusty Harden, and, uh, you know, facing the perjury trial for uh, the, on the charges of perjury and uh, bizarre, and I got the feeling soon to get more bizarre as this thing winds along. It's uh, been quite a saga. Yeah, uh, you know... You can you could certainly you know kind of make you know you could certainly have a whole discussion on you know whether you know whether the whether the government should be you know spending its time prosecuting uh, you know Roger Clemens when there's a lot of other things going on you know that's that's probably a, a whole other other issue for a whole other time but that, that being said the fact that that this is going on um, yeah I mean it, it is it, I, I think it will it will get get weirder before it gets more normal. Certainly, and you know, uh, Roger Clemens has never been been one to have a small ego, and I don't know that he's ever taken responsibility for anything he's ever done in his life uh, that might be bad. Which goes, you know, whether it be whether it be steroids, whether it be you know the bizarre incident during the 2000 World Series when he threw the splintered bat at Mike Piazza of the Mets. Um, you know, you can you can go right down the line, and you know, sometimes uh, you know. Sometimes you're your own worst enemy, and I think in Roger's case, you know, when when we when we're able to kind of take a step back and and look back on you know the the career and also the post career of, of Roger Clemens, you know, we'll be able to point out a lot of things that you know what, and hopefully, I hope someday that for his sake, you know, he can look back and say, you know what, I made a mistake here, or you know, he's shown no contrition. He's shown no signs of, you know what, I screwed up. Uh, no apologies to the fans, to the teams he played for. He's just kind of gone on his own way. Hey, I'm Roger Clemens. I can, you know, do whatever I want. And, you know, it's, 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 I think there's entitlement issues. I think there are issues of, you know, being bigger than, you know, being an individual being bigger than the game and, and all that. And, you know, I, I don't think it's going to work out well for him. I don't think it, it will. And, and quite frankly, I think there will be a lot of people that will not feel too badly for Roger Clemens, uh, you know, if and when uh, that ruling does come down against him. If, if, if uh, you know, if he, if he is found guilty, um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of people feeling sorry for him, you know, whether it be in New York, whether it be in Houston, whether it be in Boston, whether it be in Toronto, any place where he played. Um, you know, I, I don't think he left a particularly good taste uh you know, from from any place he's left, and uh, it's it, it's sad. It's a, it, it certainly you know tarnishes uh, the fact that he had a great playing career, but uh, I don't think he was uh, very well uh, liked uh, by the media, by fans, by observers. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think if he is found guilty, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of tear shed throughout uh, throughout uh, baseball nation. Right. Well, a fascinating career by any standard. I, of course, think of uh, Roger Clemens when he got tossed from the playoff game against the Oakland Athletics in the early 90s by umpire Terry Cooney. And uh, 
he just went ballistic, and those were the days when he was wearing like his kids' ninja turtle shoelaces or eye black or something like that. Just crazy, crazy times when you think back on his career. But uh, yeah, and you know, finally, uh, you know, Albert Pujols. It'll be interesting. I know he said he was available to be named as a replacement. Uh, to play in the All-Star game. I don't know if he has or has not been named, but uh, quick recovery from that injury, shall we say. Yeah. Which is incredibly surprising. I mean, it was literally a broken bone, and I think it healed in, am I correct, 18 days or something? Yeah, that's what was that. It's incredible. You know, like I was saying, it's just it's just nuts. I mean, you know, you got the... You know, and, and, and baseball players are so delicate. I mean, you know, if you, if you, you know, all you have to do is just, you know, read daily updates, uh, you know, around the major leagues, you know, guys, uh, you know, uh, you know, player, you know, pitchers who are undisabled, you know, having a catch, you know, it's big news when they have a catch for 10 minutes, you know, and it, these guys are just so delicate. And, you know, uh, I, I've been, I've been, we probably baby them more than they need to be babies. I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, we've, we've had our past discussions, you know, during the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, you know, hockey, Probably the exact opposite. You know, you got guys playing playing Stanley Cup Finals games with broken legs, and you know, football. Stakes. Obviously, you got you know guys that drag themselves on the field in any kind of condition, and you know, basketball. Obviously, a, a contact sport. Uh, you know, baseball players just seem to be be babied a, a lot, and it's just it's just the culture uh, that that it is, and it's just it just seems kind of crazy sometimes. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he's able to come back so fast with a broken bone, absolutely incredible. I agree. Oh, absolutely. And Barry, unfortunately, the time passes so quickly, so it's uh, time to wrap up the show. But before I do, uh, the picks of the weekend to watch are USA-Brazil women's soccer on Sunday at 11.30, All-Star Game Tuesday night, Home Run Derby Monday night, the ESPYs Wednesday night, the only night of the year when there's basically no sports going on. And Barry, I want to thank you again for appearing, and as always, thank you voice america for listening to all around sports and we look forward to doing it all again next friday at 1 p.m eastern time thanks again for tuning in to all around sports with your host john inglesby be sure to tune in again next friday at 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel have a terrific weekend and we'll talk sports again next week